Romans 8, 28, we know all things work together for good. And then we end up in the battle like, oh, Lord, I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Does God not work all things together for good to them that love God? Well, that fits for me and you. By the way, that's not a mountaintop verse. That's a valley verse. That's everything in between verse. And so I'm thankful for God bringing them here. Where did I tell you to go? Jeremiah 20? Okay, I'm trying to remember where I'm going. Amen. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, we're going to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel. That's why I'm asking. I just have to figure out where I told you to start at. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah chapter number 20. Let's all stand together. I'm just going to read one verse, and we may may stay here first. I may go back to Isaiah. I don't know where I'm going to go. Amen. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter number 20. Jeremiah chapter number 20. I love this verse. And again, my my thoughts are for all of us. My thoughts are specifically for Raphael and Ethan as well. But truths that I think will help all of us this morning. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 10. For I heard the defaming of many fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. He said, all my familiars watched for my halting, saying, peradventure he will be enticed and we shall prevail against him. And we shall take our revenge on him. Verse 11, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. What's going on? Jeremiah knows he's facing a test. He knows people are watching him. They're watching what he's going to do. But those two verses follow verse number 9. All of that is prefaced by this thought when the Bible says in verse 9, Then I said, Jeremiah speaking, I will not make any mention of him nor speak any more in his name. I'm done. I'm quitting. It's over. The people won't listen. They don't want to hear it. They're not going to abide by it. They don't like me when I preach the truth to them. I'm done. I'm done. But, the Bible says, his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. Let's pray. Father, touch us this morning. God, I need your help. I need your strength. Father, speak to the hearts of your children this morning. If there be one here lost without Christ, Father, may they find Jesus as the only way of salvation. May they put their faith and trust in him. Father, may the child of God discouraged and searching and looking. Father, may they find the peace of God that only you can bring when we put our faith and trust in you on a daily basis. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, Jeremiah chapter number 20, if you want to read a a book of the Bible that will give you a mirror of where we are today, read the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we use the term pastor a lot, and I mentioned in our Sunday school time this morning, I'm in a world where they don't understand even the concept of a pastor. I'll say, say, what do you do? And I say, I pastor the Calvary Baptist Church. I'm a missionary church planner there. And they're like, what's a pastor? Well, a pastor is one who teaches the word of God. They preach the word of God. They lead a flock or a congregation. But when you look up the word pastor and you begin to follow it throughout scripture, where you find that term used most often is in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's in Israel's latter days. They're heading toward the judgment of God. They're at a point of, of they don't need that anymore. They don't want to hear that anymore. And Jeremiah has been given the glorious privilege of being God's preacher to that generation. By the way, it wasn't just the people, it was his peers as well. 
who didn't want him to preach the message of God's judgment. They did not want him to preach that God was going to hold them accountable for the decisions they made and the direction they were going. And, and it was just a, it was a rough day. He's called the weeping prophet because Jeremiah was a man of great tears. And so Jeremiah came upon a time here in chapter number 20. He's discouraged. He's down. He's really struggling because nobody wants to listen, even those around him. He knows they're just watching for him to stumble and fall. Have you ever felt like your co-workers, if you're saved here this morning and you're working in an environment where a lot of people around you are lost, they're just watching you. They're watching you for the bad day. They're watching you for the day you're like, you know, where were you this weekend? And your answer is always, man, we had a good service on Sunday. But you know they're waiting for the Sunday when you say, well, I didn't go to church this week. I mean, they're just looking for your stumbling. Now, for you, it may have been a providential hindrance. I don't know. But you know they're watching your life and they're waiting to see a slip in your faith. You know they're waiting for a slip in your actions, your attitudes. You get angry. You get out of sorts. You say something you shouldn't and, and you know it. You know they're watching you. And Jeremiah says, man, I'm under the pressure cooker of observation and I know they're not watching me so they can lift me up. They're watching me so they can laugh at me the day it happens. You say, preacher, that's the way I feel. That's why you need to read your Bible every day because the best commentary on life is the Word of God. The best commentary on people is the Word of God. There is nothing you'll ever face, nothing you'll ever deal with, whether it be family, whether it be community, whether it be society, no matter what we deal with, every answer is in the word of God. Amen. And so throughout the scriptures, God gives us these stories, these principles, these truths for many reasons. One is to teach us about humanity, is to teach us about our sinful nature. It is to teach us about the goodness of God and the blessings of God and the provision of God. But it also teaches us that a long life's way, if you're saved by the grace of God, you and I are going to have to make some decisions. You and I are going to have to make some decisions. And that's really what I want to preach on this morning. Some decisions we need to make. I titled the message, I Can't Quit. You see, God will not make you not quit. That will be your choice. You will decide every Sunday morning whether you get up and come to God's house. You will decide every day whether you bow your head and pray. You will decide every day whether you read the word of God and you meditate on the precepts within. You must determine in your heart that it's worth it. That it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. The Bible tells us this truth about Jeremiah. And again, I'm just going to give you three things. One in Jeremiah, we'll back up to Isaiah, and then we'll hit Daniel and be done this morning. But the first principle I want to share with you this morning that you have to determine in your own heart is that you're not going to quit. You're not going to quit. Jeremiah said, all this is going on. He said, I decided at the beginning of verse number nine, I'm not going to preach anymore in his name. But notice what he said. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. By the way, that's why it's so important for you to read the Bible. That's why it's so important for you to be in the house of God, to be in your Sunday school class. Why? Because they're putting the word of God in you. That's why it's so important you be here tonight to learn about prophecy. That's why it's important. 
important for you to be here on Thursday night to hear Brother Stein preach and give you the word of God. Why? Because the more fuel you place on that fire, the harder it is to put out. Right, and Jeremiah is saying, man, I was discouraged. I was down. I couldn't go any farther. He said, but there was something in me that you just couldn't put out. I mean, by the way, you can put out a man's zeal, but if God is in him and the word of God is in him, you cannot put it out. I'm just convinced. You cannot put it out. You may quench his fire. You may quench his zeal. You may quench what he thinks about things, but if God's word is in his heart, you cannot quench the word of God. So Jeremiah said, his word was in my heart, a burning fire. I mean, Jeremiah's down. Jeremiah's nobody wants to help me. Nobody wants to believe me. Nobody wants to support me. I prepared a sermon on Sunday night on prophecy and nobody seemed to want to show up. I'm done, God. And then all of a sudden you start meditating on that prophecy. You start meditating on that word of God and all of a sudden the fire lights. Now, the preachers here will understand what I'm saying, but I love to preach. I'm passionate about preaching, but I am scared to death every time before I come up. I'm like, Lord, I want to get it right. I want to have a message. I laughed. I told Ethan when he came. He said, what's the title of the message? I said, you don't want to see this outline. I said, you just don't want to see it. I mean, I've got outlines that are pages and notes and references, and I said, this is scribble on a page and three blobs. I said, that's all I got. And in your heart, Raphael, you're nervous. You're like, man, God help me. But I'm telling you something. If the word of God is in your heart, when you step before people and you open that book, there's a fire that begins burning in your bosom and you gotta get it out. I mean, you gotta tell, whatever they do with it is their business, but you gotta tell somebody. But you must determine I'm not gonna quit. I can't quit. I can't quit. I jotted this down and let me, let me give you this long outline here. You say, preacher, you're just talking. No, that's my outline, all right? I'm not joking, all right? I can't quit. Say what he gives you. Jeremiah, that's what he says. He's saying, I can't quit. I've just got to say what God gives me. I've got to say what God's word says. I've got to say what is true and let it stand where it may. I was talking to a fellow last night and, I, and he, he made a comment about my heart preaching through the years. And I said, well, I said, I never mean to be unkind. I never want to hurt people, but I've learned this. The truth has an impact. Yes, sir. And if you preach truth, people are going to squirm. I mean, you turn on the light, we, we don't go to the doctor at least. I don't, why? Because I don't want to hear bad news. I mean, people say, how you doing? I'm doing great. Oh, you're healthy. I don't know. I don't go to the doctor. But as far as I know, I am. I mean, it sort of eliminates that possibility. Why well, don't I like to go? I don't want him turning the light on. He said, well, preacher, you're a little... Uh... Anyway, when our last group of teenagers were there, man, they about killed me. They hit about 8,000 doors in a week and I was trying to keep up with them on day one, we, or excuse me, on Monday of that week, I, we did about nine miles and uh, my, my foot had been bothering me, I'm getting old, but anyway, my, I, all sorts of other issues and because my, knee, my foot was bothering me, I was walking different, my knee got sore. At the end of that day, I was walking back to the van or our Suburban and my knee just sort of gave out. I just sort of sank in on me and I didn't fall, but I went down and I'm like, man, what's wrong? It was better in a few days. It's still a little gimpy, but I went to the doctor and he looked at it. He's twisting it this way and that way. He said, I can't figure out anything. I said, I can give you 53 reasons what's wrong with it. But anyway, I don't like going to the doctor. Why? Because they turn the light on. 
But that's what the Word of God does to us in a spiritual sense. If you can sit under preaching week in and week out and there's no conviction, I'm like, what are you listening to? The preaching of the Word of God will always challenge your life. If the Word of God is not turning on in you and you're like, man, Lord, I need help here. I need strength there. I need wisdom here. I need grace here. I need mercy here. I need power here. I need correction here. I need pruning here. If the Word of God is not doing that in your life, then you're probably not listening to the Word of God. But when you determine you can't quit, it means you've just got to preach what God says in his word. You've got to share and live and tell what God has given you. Don't ever quit. The second thing we learn here from these Old Testament prophets, considered some of the major prophets in the Old Testament, first of all, we can't quit, but then back up to Isaiah chapter number six. Again, all these are very, very familiar scriptures Not only must you determine that I can't quit, you've got to preach or teach or share what God has said in his word. And by the way, you'll determine you can't quit because of the power of the word of God in your life. The second truth I want to share with you this morning, not only I can't quit, but secondly, and I I got to buffer this one because I'm not the pastor, so I I can't stay. The preacher says, hold on, don't send my people away. (laughs) I can't stay. Go down to chapter six and verse number eight. Isaiah says, this also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I go and who will go for us? Then said I, here it is, here am I, send me. The first thing we gotta determine as a child of God, number one is I'm not gonna quit. But number two, we must determine I'm not gonna stay. What do you mean I'm not gonna stay? I'm not gonna stay anywhere God doesn't want me to stay. And the inverse, I'm gonna go wherever God wants me to go. I'm just gonna go wherever God wants me to go. I know our tendency, we're human, we're flesh. That's the way we are, it's just our nature. But we love roots and we love anchoring. It's security, it's safety, it's it's enjoyable. But sometimes God's gonna pluck us up and he's gonna put us where we don't feel comfortable. I I had a pastor friend down in Ashboro called me this past week and we were just talking. He's just checking, see how things were going. And, and he said, brother, do you miss it? And he was asking pastoring and you know, having 150 people to preach to on a Sunday morning versus 25. By the way, 25 is the big service. Sunday night it's down to about seven or eight, sometimes nine. By the way, there's five in my family, so you do the math. <laughs> on Wednesday night, there's normally six or seven. My family's five. I said, well, brother, here's all I know. I said, I know we in our, in our human minds, numbers are important. I said, but God's taught me through the years that really what's important is doing what God's told you to do where he's told you to do it. That's the most important thing. And I said, sure, I, I would rather preach to a houseful. I mean, sure, I love preaching to a whole group of people sitting there nodding their head and saying, amen. Brother, amen. That, then, you know, this section right here. But you know what? That's where God sent me. And so Farmington, Utah's home. This morning as I look out at this beautiful congregation, I miss looking over here and seeing Brother Brent who got saved a year ago. I miss seeing Addison and Miranda in the back little corner back there in our little motel conference room and little Hank, he's my mascot. He's about 18, 20 months old. He's learning how to say amen. He got, he's getting it down. 
I miss the Certains and the Lees and Jenny and Daryl. Two years ago, I didn't even know they existed in the world. But now they're my people. They're the people God has sent me to to love and to share the gospel and to teach the word of God to. Many of them were saved before I got there in other ministries and other cities and states and they've come and God's formed us a little congregation there. Some of them are saved and never been discipled. They, everything you preach and teach to them, man, they're, just, they're just eating it up. And, and I'm like, who, who would preach to them if I wasn't there? And so you got to determine, I'm not going to stay just for the sake of staying. I'm going to go where God wants me to go. And by the way, you say, well, does God want me to go anywhere? And I said this on Friday night. If he does, he'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not here to say, oh, the whole church, we need to go. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is you need to live your life in such a state that whatever God wants me to do, that's what I'm willing to do. If God wants me at Calvary for 200 years, I'm going to be faithful and serve and love and give and go and do what God wants me to do. But I'm going to live my life as if there's another life to come. And what I accumulate on this side really is not going to matter at all. What's going to matter is the impact I've made for Christ and the gospel that I've shared and the lives I've reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it may be in the community I'm born. I may be born and lived and be raised there, raise my family there and die there. But God may want a people somewhere who's never heard to hear. And he may want you to be the one so we must live our life saying, I can't quit because of God's word burning in me, but I can't stay. Why couldn't he stay? Because he'd seen the Lord. Read the, read the verses one through seven. Why couldn't Isaiah stay? Because he saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And when he saw God in his holiness, it drove him to his knees to realize his unworthiness and how he was a man of unclean lips and he lived in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And when he realized the goodness and grace and mercy of God, he said, God, how can I not go? If you want somebody to go. Not living our life. Well, Lord, if you want me to, I'll try. No, how can I not go? I can't quit. I can't stay. I can't stay because of the glory of God, the vision of the Lord. I'm convinced the more you see Jesus, the more you'll be ready to go. And I don't mean just to heaven. I mean wherever he wants you to go. If it means running a bus ride, if it means teaching a Sunday school class, if it means just helping an outreach and going soul winning, your heart is going to be set on go. 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 The more you see the Lord, the more burden you are for souls. The more you see Jesus, the more burden you are for others and the lost and those who've never heard. The more you see him high and lifted up, the more you're going to say, but I can't stay still. I can't just sit here and do nothing. I've got to do something for the Lord. I can't quit. I can't stay. And then go to Daniel chapter 3. Again, familiar passage. Bible truths. You see what I've learned in my life. Listen, child of God. Say, preacher, so much of the Bible I just don't understand. Well, get in line behind all of us. Here's what I've learned. What God uses in my heart, Brother Pope, is what I do understand. I was saved because I did understand that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. 
Okay, if you'd have asked me to define all the, all the terminology and the, the technicalities of salvation and, and all of those things, I might have stumbled along the way. But you know what I understood? There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I got a hold of that truth. And when I got a hold of that truth, I knew I was condemned. I was going to hell. I was separated from God because of my sin. And then I got a hold of another truth. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man, I got a hold of that little bitty truth. I didn't understand all the verses around it, but I got that truth. And I said, whoa, I'm lost. I'm condemned. But man, God loved me. God gave himself in the person of his son for me. I'm like, whoa. Then I heard another little truth. For by grace he is saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You mean, Lord, I don't have to join the church to be saved? He said, that ain't gonna help you a bit. You mean, Lord, I, I, I don't need to just turn over a new leaf because I'll flip leaves, Lord. He said, that ain't gonna help you. He said, you're gonna be saved by my grace. By faith. Well, how do I express that? Well, he gave me another little truth. It wasn't a book, it was a truth. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Romans. Yes, sir. I said, well, who can do that? He said, well, keep on reading down a few more. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right. Just a little truth. I'm still grappling with the whole book of Romans. We're studying through that on Sunday mornings. I mean, I'm still, I'm still grasping all these truths of justification and sanctification and, 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 and all these things. But you know what? I got the truth I needed to get. I was lost. God was good and gave himself through his son to die for me on the cross. And all I have to do is by faith trust him. Amen. Stop struggling over what you don't know and get a hold of what you do. Because when you get a hold of what God is clearly saying to you, it's going to change your life. Jeremiah said, I can't quit. Why? Because the word of God is burning in me. Uh, Isaiah said, I'll go. Why did he say, I'll go? I can't stay. Why? Because Jesus became real to him. God became real. Amen. Three Hebrew boys, they were taken into captivity. It's just maybe mid-late teenage young men. But they made a decision, Daniel 1.8, that they wouldn't defile themselves with the force of the king's meat according to what Daniel says about himself. But we come to chapter 3 and we got a choice to be made. Can't quit because of the word of God. I can't stay because of the vision of God. But in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, I can't bow. I can't bow because of the power and promises of God. In Daniel chapter 3, verse number 16, the Bible says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, and we know Nebuchadnezzar set up a huge idol of gold in the valley, and everybody's supposed to bow when the music plays. He's found out these boys ain't bowing, so he's upset. He brings them in, gives them a second chance, and they answer him in verse 16. And they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. The furnace don't bother us. We're not afraid of the fire. We're not afraid of your persecution. We're not afraid of your mockery. We're not afraid of you threatening me with death. I won't put you in prison. So God's there with me. 
I mean, listen, I, I've been in prison ministry. I've never been stuck there, but I've been in and out <laughs> in prison ministry. But, you know, sometimes we talk as if, oh, what if they put all the believers in prison? Let's start a prison ministry. I mean, do you think you're going there by yourself? Are you planning on going by yourself or are you planning on having somebody with you? I mean, I don't want to go to jail for my faith, but if that's where they would prefer me to live, I guess that's God's plan. And I'm not planning on going there. I'm not volunteering. You get me what I'm saying? But if that's what it takes, I've determined I ain't bowing. I'm just not. I'm not going to bow. Why? The same reason the Hebrew boy said, they said, hey, God can deliver me out of that mess. He can. God can get me out of the fire. God can quench the fire. God can take me through the fire. But notice what they said. He said, he is able, verse 17, to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will, get this, please don't miss this, underline and highlight it, he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Hey, for the child of God, we do not live in bondage. We're gonna be delivered one way or the other. I mean, God's gonna deliver us from the trial. God's gonna deliver us through the trial. But as a child of God, there's nothing we ever face in life that God is not gonna bring us through. Heard years ago, a preacher out in California, he was young and his wife, and they were in a little house there. They just entered a ministry, if I'm remembering the story correctly, and they're sitting in their living room, and a man busts through their front door with a mask and a gun. He's going to rob them. He said, we're as poor as Job's turkey. We didn't have no money. He said, that man sets them on their couch, points a gun in his head. He said, give me all you got or I'm going to kill you. He said, we didn't have anything to start with. He said, but all of a sudden, God just began to move on my heart. And he said, I looked up at him, and I said, are you threatening me with heaven? <laughs> and he said, the thief just sort of shook his head. He said, what do you say? He said, I ask, are you threatening me with heaven? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm a child of God. I've been saved by the grace of God. I put my faith and trust in him. For me, the Bible says to be after the bodies to be present with the Lord. You're threatening to kill me, so what I'm asking is, are you threatening me with heaven? Because if you kill me right now, I ain't got nothing to worry about. He said, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. He said, the thief just said some choice words, went running out the door and slammed the door behind What was that preacher exhibiting? He was exhibiting Daniel 8. He said, King, what are you threatening me with? He said, God can deliver me out of your fire. My God's bigger. Is your God bigger than what you're facing? Is your God bigger than the fire you're going through? Is your God able to deliver you? Then if he is, then you've got to determine in your, I can't bow. <laughs> My God's too good. My God's too big. My God's too worthy. I cannot bow, King. Look at what he says in that next verse, and I'm, I'm done here. He says in verse 18, but if not, our Lord can deliver you, and he will. But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast Set up. Jeremiah said, I can't quit. Why? Because God's word's burning in me. His word's real. Isaiah said, I can't stay. I've got to go where God sends me. Why? Because the vision of God is real to me. His glory, his goodness, his holiness, his call. Who will go for us? It's real to me. I can't stay. But Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, their Hebrew names, Unomah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, I can't bow. King, I can't bow. 
My God has too much power for me to bow to the knees of man and the gods of man. I can't bow. My God's too big. My God's too good. My God's too powerful. And he can deliver me from you. But if he don't, he's still God. Amen. And I'm still not going to bow. Because either way out for me, I'm a winner. I can't quit. I can't stay. And I can't bow. The world throws everything it can at us to hit those three areas. Our spirit, our desire, our longing, our devotion. Satan wants to discourage, distract, deter us. Preacher, what's going on in the world today? What's going on in the world today? God knew from the foundation of the earth. Nothing's happened yesterday, today, or tomorrow that will catch God by surprise. Nothing, nothing. What he's looking for is the people who recognize that, who realize that, who are willing to say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to bow down to this world, but I'm going to trust my God and believe my God and serve my God. By the way, when you find that kind of people, he's going to send you places you never thought you'd go, Utah. He's going to quench fires you never thought he would quench. Read the story. Oh, I got to give you the rest of the story. How can you read this passage without getting down to verse number, what is it, verse number 26, 25? Nebuchadnezzar comes loose. He says, he comes and looks in the fire. The guys who throw them in, they die because the heat's so hot and it's been done so hastily. He says, verse 25, he, the king, said, Lo, I see four men. Whoa, where'd the fourth man come from? Hallelujah. I see, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. They have no hurt in the form of the fourth. Guess who he is? He's like the son of God. I said, child of God, you're never gonna be alone. When you determine you're not gonna bow, you may face the fire. You may face the trial, but you will never, ever be alone. By the way, they didn't know he was there before they went into the fire. They just found out he's there waiting on them. Have you ever wondered who threw Jesus in? <laughs> I mean, they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. Who threw Jesus in? Nobody threw Jesus in. He was there waiting on them. By the way, if you ever get a hold of that little truth, you're going to start shouting in the midst of your valley because he's there. He's there. <laughs> Say, I don't know where he's at. He's there. Trust him. Give him glory. Give him praise. Trust the Lord because he's already in the fire. I can't quit. Child of God, please determine. I, I said this morning in Sunday school and I'm closing. I always, Brent's my counter. Brent's my counter. I haven't been saved to you, but he's my counter. What's your counter? I tell him every time I preach, I got to quit three times. So I say, I'm I, I'm done. I'm finishing. He gives me two. And then I say, now I'm closing. He knows it's done. It's three. So I don't know where we are, but we're going to pretend like we're done. This generation is going to have to make a decision and a determination. You're not going to quit. I said in Sunday school, and this is what I was alluding to, getting ready to say a moment ago. What God is doing here, what God has done here, many of you have come by that I've known for years, and you just, all of you are aglow, and you're like, preacher, we never dreamed it would happen. This is a miracle. And you're telling me stories about this and stories about that. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there soaking it in. I'm like, amen. I'm just soaking it in. But here's my thing I said in some of don't ever lose the wonder. Don't ever lose the wonder. 
I'm sitting in a city that's never had an independent Baptist church that I know of in its history. 150 some years. As far as I know, I don't, I hadn't done a detailed search, but from testimony of others, we are the first independent Baptist church in Farmington, Utah in its history. There's been a little Southern Baptist work there for a few years before we got there, and it's just sort of merged with another, and it dissolved and went away. But I get a question, what would you do if there was no Baptist church, no independent Baptist church in Union Grove for 150 years? You said, oh, that'll never happen here. You start forsaking this place. Right. You start quitting on God. And you start telling God, I'm too busy. I'm not going to go. I, I, you can't send me. I got too much invested. You start telling God, well, I know we just sort of got to bend with the waves or win, bend with the wind. You just sort of got to give in this generation. You start doing that, friends. And I'm going to tell you, your great-grandchildren, if the Lord don't come back, and your great-great-grandchildren will never know what you've got today. You're right. So you better have a generation that says, I ain't going to quit. I ain't going to stay and I ain't going to bow because God is too good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for the day. We thank you for your word, your, your goodness, your mercy. Father, I pray this morning you'll take your word and you'll challenge your children. Father, to make a decision in their heart because of the word of God, because of the goodness of God that they're going to be faithful and they're going to do all that you ask them to do. But Father, more importantly, there may be someone here today, they've been watching what's going on. Maybe they've been here for a few weeks, a few months. Maybe they've just visited today and they've heard about what God's doing here at Calvary Baptist Church, the souls that are being saved and God, you've been dealing with their heart and their life. They're hearing about the dads getting saved. They're hearing about moms getting saved. They're hearing about young people getting saved by your grace. Lord, they're sitting here today saying, Lord, is that me? Father, may they understand today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you brought them to that they can put their faith and their trust in Christ. And experience the peace, the joy, the mercy, the forgiveness that only God can bring through His Son, Jesus Christ. Father, may today be the day that they're gloriously saved. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Let's stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed. Pastor, if you'd come. Just close the service out as the Lord leads. So let's bow our heads just for a moment and uh, let me ask a question or two before we go. Boy, what a message. What a great message. I wonder how many are here this morning and you'd be honest between you and the Lord. You'd be honest right now and you'd say, Preacher, if I died right now, there's not even a shadow of any doubt. I know that I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. There's not even a doubt about that. If that's you, without anybody looking, just for a moment, would you very quietly just slip your hand up as a testimony to that? I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful. You can lower your hands. But let me ask another question. How many are here today and with heads bowed and eyes closed and just between you and the Lord, you'd say something like this, preacher, in all honesty, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I'll, I, 
I want to go to heaven. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not sure I would. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let somebody say a prayer for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to get you down the aisle. I, I just, I want to pray for you. But you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died, I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me right now? And with heads bowed and eyes closed, you just slip your hand up. You'd slip it up so I can pray for you. Is there one like that right now? You just slip your hand up and raise it high so I don't miss you. Because it's very easy to do that in this kind of a crowd. Just raise it up and sort of wave it at me. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Can I pray for you? Is there one like that? All right. I want to ask this question then. And folks are making their way to the way to the altars. I'm going to ask you this. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I'm saved. I've already testified to that. I've already raised my hand about that. But my, oh my, the devil has been fighting so hard. And the enemy is doing his dead level best to try to get me to quit. Trying to get me discouraged. And trying to get me away from the will of God. And pastor, I need you to pray for me that I will not quit. I will not quit. If that's you this morning, very quietly right now, you'd slip your hand up right now and just raise it up. Say, preacher, that's me. That's me. Yeah, yeah hands yes yes I see all those hands there's quite a few actually quite a few quite a few thank you you may lower your hands all right listen if you're here this morning and the devil's trying to get you discouraged the enemy I mean the enemy's after you here's what I want to encourage you to do in just a moment I want you to just make your way down to this altar somewhere. Just find a place in this altar this morning. And I want you to recommit your life to Christ and say something like this, Lord, Brother Moore, he nailed it today. I'm, I've been discouraged. The enemy's been fighting. But God, with you being my helper, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on keeping on for the glory of God. I'm going to invite you to come. You may be here this morning right now and you'd say, Pastor, here's my situation. There's something God wants me to do. There's an area that God wants me to serve and I need to go. I need to surrender to that ministry. I need to surrender to that calling. I need to surrender to that class. I need to surrender to, to whatever it is, whatever ministry, whatever calling it is. But preacher, that's me. I need to go. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray. And if God is speaking to your heart right now, I, I want you to, and I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would just to slip out and make their way to the altars this morning. And you don't have to pray with a personal worker, but if you need prayer, one of our personal workers will be here and they want to pray with you today. I'm going to pray this prayer. And as I pray, I want you just to slip out from around the auditorium right now. I want you to slip out and I want you to come. And if you need someone to pray with you, just come down here and take one of these folks by the hand and they'll, they'll kneel in the altar. That's right. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. You're already working. And God, for that, we're grateful. God, what a shame, what a shame it would be for someone to come to a service like this and leave lost. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you're working in the hearts 
And I pray, Lord, those that don't know that they're on their way to heaven, I pray they'll come and let us take a Bible and show them how they can know that they know that they know that they're on their way to heaven. And then, Lord, what a shame it would be for someone to come to a great service like this and to leave here discouraged and to quit on God. Oh, Lord, please. Lord, please, don't let that happen. God, today I pray that you would, Lord, that, that you would refire some people. God, that they would re, re, resign, not resign. And God, that some folks would come today and say, Lord, with your help and me, I'm going to keep on keeping on. Father, with your helping me, I'm going to surrender to the will of God for my life. I'm going to serve. I don't want to just warm a seat. But God, I want to serve. I want to make a difference for the cause of Jesus. And so, Lord, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name.